What's up? Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor, and our, technically our first week back mm. uh, since we went on hiatus. How are you all doing? Doing good. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Happy mm. Halloween. The ghouls and ghosties are out today, and so is the 13th floor. James, what have you been up to? Uh, this and that. It's It's been a busy year, and everybody I've talked to says it's been a crazy busy year. I think that everybody's like starting to get back into the actual swing of things following you-know-what. Mm. You know that like two-year of nothingness that everybody kind of fell into? Mm, no, no idea what you're talking about. No idea. Well, <laughs> Alex, hmm? what have you been up to? Just taking care of the small little baby. Of the little the bigger baby. Yes, yes. And and you guys, full disclosure, we recorded three other episodes and then we were like, you know what? Let's let's release our first episode back on Halloween. Mm. So we're gonna talk about the baby next week, but we're also gonna talk about him now. Alex, what's his name? Archer. Archer, and he's, he's sitting cute. here. He's staring right at me right now. Yes, he's staring at Alex. Um he's very judgmental. And he's also very temperamental. We think he's going through a growth spurt right now. Oh. So he's been very hungry and just kind of grumpy. Kind of like mm. me, just all the time. Mm. <laughs> so, I can second that. So you guys, it's the best day of the year, right? It's Halloween. Yeah. James, Ooh. are you doing anything to celebrate? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to get possessed. Oh, James, you don't, <laughs> don't make jokes about things like that. You, oh, uh, you've just upset me. You've upset me. I always wanted to crawl on the ceiling. Yeah. Like like a little spider. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. You can relate to his pets more. (laughs) Oh, man. We were hopefully going to go trick-or-treating. Fingers crossed. Mm. The kids are going to dress up as Power Rangers. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. This. Oh, Alex. Oh, I mean, it's Archer. Yeah, Archer says maybe <laughs> <I> not. <laughs> he says hello, oh, everybody. <laughs> so, oh man, Alex, do you have anything that you want to ask me? Yeah, I'll like checking in. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what's new with you, Cecilia? Oh my gosh! Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Well, I, I've got the child who is saying. He is the reason that I've been so busy. I've also yeah. returned to work following maternity leave, so I'm getting back in the swing of things there. And then my photography business. Nice. It's been great. So I cannot complain, but I am truly, truly happy to be back to the 13th floor because I've missed talking to you, James. Yeah. No, this is this has been a long time coming. And I also just want to add, what's new with you, Cecilia? Sounds like a Woody Allen film. <laughs> hey, let's write it, James. Another one to add to our list. There we go. <laughs> well, I think that it is time for an icebreaker. Um, mm-hmm. I would normally do the hearty hellos. I will say, okay, the one thing that I will say is that since we released our little, hey, we're coming back on Halloween, little teaser trailer episode, Spain has taken off in our in listens. Uh. Spain and Bulgaria. So I guess I'm going to say hearty hellos there. Well, you know, Spain loves a good siesta, and that's kind of what we've done. So, you know, kind of adds up. <laughs> well, hmm. Alex, how about you pick our icebreaker today? Okay. Growing, <laughs> growing up, what what was one of the 
Well, you know, we're doing some urban legend type things today. <laughs> Growing up, was there an urban legend that you were told that like really kind of terrified you? I feel like I've mentioned this before on the show, but when I was growing up, I lived on a street with a railroad track at the end of it. Mm. And Uh. yeah. And so I was always told growing up that there was like a monster or a boogeyman that lived along the railroad track. So that always terrified me. Yeah, Sorry, I, was I think I think a lot of urban legends are to keep kids from doing dangerous things. That's and like, that was probably oh yeah, yeah, that kept you from getting hit by a train. Oh yes, definitely. It worked. It worked wonders too. So I guess mm. that that's kind of my little urban legends. Mm. Yeah, no. I can't think of anything else. What about you, Alex? Uh, the only the only classic one that I I mean there weren't really a lot of urban legends that pertain to my local area, but. One of the best ones was, you know, the legend, like where the the person's in the back of the car and someone's flashing oh, their lights. Yeah, that was one that I that when I heard it the first time, I was like, that is really spooky, mm. <laughs> and it like it sat with me for a little bit. Um, <laughs> that one's always been a really good one. What about you, James? Um, I mean, other than the staples of childhood, Bloody Mary and uh, Candyman, oh, yeah. uh, at least in the U.S. Um, I, I know I've talked about this before, but uh, Raw Head and Bloody Bones, also known as uh, Red Eyes and Bloody Bones, the Ad Appalachian folktale, that uh, that really spooked me as a kid. Ooh. Yeah. Now, For those of you who just uh, have not heard it, it's a, an emaciated figure that can stretch its jaw and just like swallows people like snakes. Stop. Stop yeah. it, James. <laughs> were, were any of you ever able to do the Bloody Mary thing in the, in the mirror? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it it really does mess with a kid's head because it's one of those things where looking at a mirror in the dark causes mild hallucinations anyway. So you are, you're going to see something. You're going to see something when you expect to see something. Man. Huh. Interesting. So, so you saw something, James? Oh, yeah, yeah. James, stop it. No. (laughs) We, I'm sorry, my son is trying to fall asleep. So he's like making the I don't want to go to sleep noises. But anyways, um, when I was younger, I have a very vivid memory. We did not do Bloody Mary, but me and somebody I used to live with, a friend named Ashton, we dared her mom to do it. And her mom went upstairs and did it. And then we were just waiting at the bottom of the stairs, terrified, because it was like we were like we didn't think she'd do it. We're just, oh, she's doing it, and so we were scared. And then we kept yelling up at her, Heather, Heather, and she didn't say anything. And we got <laughs> what a great prank. Oh, we got so scared. We went. We tried to call every single person we knew. Oh, will you come help us? <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, she came down like 30 minutes later and was like, nothing happened. I was just in my room. We're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. But, guys, <laughs> is it time? Is it? I, yeah. I think that Archer's really ready to hear James talk about <laughs> some really scary stories. Okay, can do. Yeah, um, this was tough for me to nail down as usual. So this is this is like a little pastiche of different ones. Beauty. These are some of my favorite cryptid slash spooky critters that uh, they don't have enough to go on to just sort of be their own. And also they're so, sort of perfect for the Halloween season. And uh, one that I absolutely love, for whatever reason, Japan is riddled with toilet related, related <laughs> yes. 
scary stuff. Um, triply so for school toilets, but Hanako-san is definitely one of the most well-known. So the whole urban legend goes that there was a school during World War II, and she was playing hide-and-seek, and, seek, and uh, she hid in the toilet, and there was an air raid, and the school was bombed. Now, there's different versions. Some, some versions have her getting murdered by some stranger or that she – you know, was bullied and, and hid in the toilet for that reason. It changes, and that's just the nature of, of folk tales and urban legends. Anyway, they evolve. But in all of them, the same thing happens. The bombing leads to her being killed and subsequently, on a spiritual level, trapped in the toilet. <laughs> so Sometimes, sometimes when I've eaten some burritos, I feel the same way. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh man. And and she's referenced like a zillion different pop culture things, video games and movies, etc. But uh but the actual folk tales, they don't change a lot when they describe her. So she usually has a bobbed haircut and a red skirt or a red dress and uh pale Kind of in in many ways, one of the reasons I like this story is not only is it the most iconic of the the toilet scary stories, uh, but also in some ways just the description of her and her mannerisms and her behavior. It's kind of like the origin of all the cinematic Japanese ghosts that have mm. they they were they're still popular, but man, like the two thousands, oh man, that whole era, holy moly, you couldn't watch a scary movie without it having some kind of allusion to that, but. Uh, What's what's works with it? It's kind of like Bloody Mary. Um, is basically what happens is you got to go into the girls' toilet, which is usually the third floor. Not sure why. I guess because they skip the fourth floor in a lot of schools for that reason. We've talked about that. How the number thirteen is the number four right. in Japan. Um, so you knock three times on the stall, the third stall. So we got more three illusions, and you ask if Hanako-san is there, and Hanako-san, if she is there. She will say, yes, I am. And uh, <laughs> then she appears usually and is often bloody. And, uh, you know, sometimes she pulls you into the toilet. And sometimes the toilet leads straight to hell. Ooh. So, yeah. And uh, one of the weirdest versions that I've heard of, I mean, I really don't know where this comes from. This is like full-blown like Silent Hill at this point. Sometimes she summons a three-headed lizard that says, hey, stop peeking on Hanako-san. She's in the toilet. And then they eat them. So, yeah, that's a weird one. But it goes back to the 50s. So, again, post-World War II, I've noticed that a lot of urban legends all over the world kind of got their start post-World War II because it was kind of an uncertain, scary time. And I think that's sort of like where we see the evolution of, of Hanako-san. Hmm. Um, and while we're, we're on the topic of Asia, I also want to talk about the Mananangal. Um, which is a variation. There's a broader term called Oswang, which just sort of means like vampire in the Philippines. But Mananagal is scarier than just the generic term because it's very different from any other vampire I've ever seen uh, in that the torso has wings and will remove itself from the legs mm. and just sort of fly around on its own. Mm. No. So that's scary in and of itself. Like the idea of a creature that can split itself in half, it has to return to its lower half. It's usually female. There's something kind of succubus physiologically about it, huh. you know, an emaciated naked female creature with wings. 
Um, the the name itself actually means separator, so that almost feels like a modern film like title, separator. Um, also, one thing that's really scary about them compared to a lot of more Western style vampires is they have a proboscis, so it's very uh, the strain. Yeah, you know they've got like in some ways I I, I kind of wonder if maybe that's the origin of it. Uh, sometimes they have a stingray's tail. There's just a lot of weird things. Some some stories even have them terrified of stingrays. So you can actually take a stingray tail and turn it into a whip and basically go full Belmont on it. <laughs> so that's that's an interesting thing. And some Western influences have, have clearly gotten in on it because now in a lot of these areas, garlic – and uh, salt and sunlight have also become sort of associated instead of just the traditional things. Mm. But uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about the the Mononagal is because it was actually used by the CIA. So the CIA, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right? So there were uh, communist agitators in the Philippines, okay? That That was a big thing. And we, of course, meddled in those affairs. And uh, one of the ways that we did was this fella named Lieutenant Colonel Edward G. Lansdale. He was sent basically to stop all the the little guerrilla groups who were in uh, the Philippines at the time. Which, by the way, they were actually occupied by Japan during this era, which we had just kind of – it's just amazing. So basically what had happened was we actually decided – we're going to actually encourage Japanese occupation because they're fighting the Huck rebels and the Huck rebels are communists and we don't like communism. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the whole, any, anytime you're dealing with CIA interference, it always becomes this convoluted, like maybe if we give them enough LSD, they'll do something interesting. <laughs> like it's always goes off the rails, but this guy in particular, like what a bizarre, but successful, uh, psyop this guy ran. So He's in the Philippines, and he's like, man, these guys sure are scared of uh, witches and vampires. So he starts studying these witches and vampires of folklore in the Philippines. And he comes up with this bizarre strategy. One, he has like these creepy eyes painted everywhere the called the eyes of God. Mm. And it's supposed to make the, the defectors, the well, the communists, to think like, we're being targeted by witches. We're being targeted by spooky forces. And, you know, you do that, you lower morale, one, and you also have sort of mistrust between the uh, the communists and some of these villages that they're occupying. Because now it's like, you know, the villagers are plotting something against us. Maybe we're not really safe here. And, you know, it has an effect. Mm. But where they really got interesting was with the vampire stories. What they decided to do, no joke was whenever they would capture a prisoner, again, when I say meddling, I mean meddling. I'm talking about killing people. Whenever they would capture a prisoner <laughs> who belonged to these communist folks, they would uh, they would kill them, but they would puncture their neck and bleed them out uh. like they'd been attacked by a vampire, and then they would string them up in a tree. Oh. So what would end up happening was these rebels would come across <laughs> a flipping exsanguinated, neck-punctured victim hanging from a tree, what are they going to conclude? Are they going to conclude, oh, wow, the CIA must be studying our folklore? No, they're going to be like, holy moly, vampires. (laughs) So (laughs) that's exactly what they did, and it actually worked. 
Like it had an enormous impact and it was a very successful psyop in that particular conflict. So to me, that's the most fascinating thing of all about that particular folktale is that it was actively used in the 20th century by the CIA. Just bananas. (laughs) Yeah. Now, uh, Deviating from uh, – this is a trifecta, by the way. Deviating from uh, Asia, one that I've always wanted for us to talk about, but like it's just one of those things that it's it's really popular in pop culture right now, but never really accurate. Like Mike Mignola is the only guy, the Hellboy author, who I've seen actually like address it in a more folkloric way and not just, you know – References to John Wick or whatever. <laughs> uh, and you, you guys probably know where I'm going with this, the Baba Yaga. Ah. I, I see the Baba Yaga referenced a lot. And uh, it, it comes from Slavic folklore, though. And it, to me, it's one of the most interesting examples of any kind of negative folkloric figure, just because it's very alien, even for me, who studied Western folklore, because Slavic folklore is very different in a lot of respects from Western European folklore. It's just very peculiar. And one unique thing about her, because we're dealing with, you know, Slavic paganism predating Christianity, is it's not, she's not always evil. And that's a common thing that you see in older folklore where the dichotomy of good and evil is not as solid. But for the most part, she's pretty scary. And in post-Christian myths, she's pretty much exclusively evil. Right. But here's what's what's neat about Baba Yaga. So first of all, she's a hag. And there's all sorts of hags throughout folklore. Yeah, um, I live. I, but, I have a neighbor that's one. Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, there, there's all sorts of hags in folklore, but this is just so different from because there's a lot of commonalities with your standard Western stereotypical witch. She flies around, for example, but she doesn't fly around on a broom. She flies around on a mortar. And she uses a pestle as a weapon. So mortar and pestle is how she gets around. So that's flipping weird in and of itself. But one of the weirdest things, and one of my favorite things, and Mike Magnola did a great job with that, is she lives in a hut that stands on chicken legs. So like, imagine a hut with giant chicken legs holding it up. Like, that is so surreal. (laughs) Who came up with that? You know? Um, Another... Another thing I really like about Baba Yaga is just the name itself. Um, I think we've talked about babies and phonemes before, about how babies run through every phoneme Mm -hmm. uh, and then they pare it down. Well, there's a reason why in every language mother starts with the letter M and father usually starts with a D or a P, you know, dada, papa, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's literally a babble word. It's, It's one of the first words that a baby can say. And so that has evolved into mother and father. Well, Baba is sort of the root origin of babushka. And similarly, you see that with uh, in Polish, babsia. So it means granny in multiple Slavic languages, but it's just a babble word. And Baba hmm. is the origin of that babble word being used as an actual word and not just, oh, that's just the baby talking to its grandma. <laughs> so that's neat. But – so you could kind of say that Baba Yaga in some respects just sort of means old woman. But just, again, the, the etymology is fascinating. And you can tie it in with a lot of other uh, equivalents, you know, witches and wood nymphs and things of that sort. And you see cognates of that word with different uh, Slavic languages like Czech or uh, uh, Old Church Slavonic or 
That was only two I could. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what's really neat about Baba Yaga in terms of her stories, uh, especially the more negative ones, is uh, she appears to be a god that was sort of demoted. Hmm. And we see that a lot. Like, you know, in Western folklore, we see Pan sort of often depicted more like a demon in, in modern Western folklore instead of being a deity. Well, Baba Yaga was likely worshipped at one time uh, alongside Perun, for example, who's one of the highest gods in, in Slavic mythology. He's kind of like mm, a mix between Zeus and Thor, you know, one of those kinds of thunder deities. Um but eventually, at some point, she became more negative and started having qualities that, you know, I've mentioned before, kind of like a witch. But in many respects, she kind of reminds me of a vampire because one of the funny things that you see in Western folklore in general is a lot of evil spirits have OCD. And vampires in particular tend to have OCD. They count things and stuff like that. Well, she has this weird compulsion with spoons, like she loves to fly into houses and steal spoons. And her her chicken legged hut is riddled with spoons because of this bizarre compulsion. And uh, a lot of the actual stories themselves, you know, she's usually stretched out over her stove, reaching from one corner to uh, of her hut to another. She has bony legs. She has a gross nose. I mean, some of them, some of these stories, I mean, they'll even talk about, you know, her, her lady bits and how repulsive they are. <laughs> like there's, they just go all out describing just how nothing good <laughs> about her physiologically exists. But, but one of the things that she will do is she'll get in her flying mortar and pestle and she'll sweep through the countryside looking for, you know, people to devour or put in soup uh, but, you know, on a good day when she doesn't devour somebody or, or, or <laughs> kidnap a child or do any creepy Krampus stuff, is she'll steal spoons out of your house. Spoons. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. But one of my favorite folktales that we probably will cover independently at some point it involves a fellow named Ivan. And what's neat about this guy, there's all these folklores about this guy like tricking devils or just outsmarting people. But uh, there's one instance where he comes across the Baba Yaga's house and she says she smells a Russian, which to me, it, it's kind of like the giant smelling the blood of an Englishman. So she comes out and she wants to devour him. And uh, Ivan says, well, if you're going to eat me, you know, give me three horns. And she's like, OK. So he, he blows one and it's soft. And the second one, he blows louder. And the third one, he blows louder. And that makes birds swarm the hut. And one of the birds is a firebird, which is another cryptid in Slavic folklore. And the firebird's like, hop on my back or Baba Yaga will eat you. So he does, and she tries to grab the firebird by the tail, but he escapes anyway. But she ends up with a fistful of its feathers. Again, what's neat about that is it's so alien to me. Like, this is, this is like an English fairy tale on PCP. Like, what in the world is going on in this story? So... Highly recommend people take a dive into uh, the Baba Yaga and into uh, the toilet ghost and uh, and into Philippine vampires. But yeah, that's that's I couldn't decide, so I had to talk about all three. James right. has a fascination with the folklore, just a little bit. It seems. Miss, and the thing is, James <laughs> knows a lot more folk tales, y'all. So 
we'll probably mm-hmm. revisit this topic again in the future. Alex, is your mm-hmm. is your folklore really scary or is it fun? What, like, what is yours? I'm trying to figure out. I mean, Do the I story the, <laughs> the story is intended to scare. So, so you're going to scare us? I mean, I don't know if it's going to scare anybody, but that's the intention of the story. Okay, do you want to go next, or do you want me to go next? How do you want to do it? How do you want, <laughs> do you want to end? I know what this is right, about. I guess you're yeah. wanting to end light yeah. and fluffy. Is that what you're hinting at? How about we just let James pick? James, who's going next? Hmm. I'd rather us end on a scary Ooh, note. Ooh, he, he subverted your expectations there. Okay, I'll go next. I'll go next one second. <laughs> let me pull out my laptop, because I was not ready. It's Halloween, you know? Yeah. This is Halloween. And on a a dark note. All right, one second. That's what I'm thinking, James. While she's getting that ready, guess what, James? I started watching the Child's Play series for the first time. Never seen it. Never seen any of them. So I watched Child's Play 1 and 2. The first one is pretty stellar, even by today's standards. Second one, good, but not as good. Have you seen the no, third no, one? No, I might watch it tonight or tomorrow. Oh, there's one scene in the third one that I saw way too young <laughs> that oof, still haunts me. Alex, enough about child's play. It's time for me to talk about something spooky ooky. Okay, let's yes. hear it. And I got a lot of my information today from Thrillist and Time.com. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oof. All right, I am talking about a little urban legend hailing from the stupendous state of New Jersey. And the reason I picked this one is because I feel like it's something that could, like, legit happen in real life, like, at any time. (laughs) Even though it terrifies me, and I hope it never happens to us or to anybody else. So, dear listeners, take note. Don't do this to people. (laughs) I'm talking about The Watcher. James, have you heard of The Watcher? No, I have not. Alex, what about you? Yeah, Marvel Comics. Okay, all right. (laughs) So, Alex has not heard of it either. It's a fairly recent urban legend, which when I think of like folklore, I think of hundreds of years ago, you know? Yeah. But this happened just seven years ago is when the story kind of popped up. Interesting. Which means it's younger than mine and Alex's marriage. Oh. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Weird. Okay. So let me share this story with you boys. The year is 2015. Women are getting all hot and bothered by. Oh. Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, yeah. That was a hot moment. <laughs> yes. And then everybody else is busy dancing to Drake's smash hit Hotline Bling. You guys remember that song? <laughs> I do. Yeah, it was, a, it was a banger, wasn't it? That's what, they, that's what the kids say. <laughs> okay. No, I know. My sister-in-law told me that the kids are calling songs these days bops. That's a bop. You know? Yeah, they've been saying that for a while. That's that's almost old school. Yeah, it's like the well, 50s. It's, oh, it's, come, it's come back in. So, anyways, yeah. okay, enough of hotline bling. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about The Watcher. So, times in 2015 were obviously very good, except for this family in New Jersey. They had a little bit of money. Million dollars, at least. Because they <laughs> came across this house in this little town called Westfield. Population, 30,000, according to Google. And it's located about 16 miles south of Manhattan. So you know the people that live here have got some money money, right? If you can Mm. live that close to where you can just like commute across the little river to go to Manhattan, you've got to have some money. So anyways, for this family, it's no big thing buying this house. They buy it. 
million bucks, big dreams, but it, it didn't end up being very good for them, you all. Because guess what happened? What? Shortly after moving in, they started receiving these mortifying letters in the mail signed by someone who called themselves the Watcher. Yes. And what did this person do? They said they were supposed to watch over the house, hence the name. And yeah, per an article on NBCNewYork.com from 2017, the watcher claimed to actually be the rightful owner of the home, which is why he or she probably was sending these creepy letters to this family. And the family who bought the home, they were the Broadus family, Derek and Maria and their kids. They clearly, obviously, did not like these letters at all. Do you want me to read an excerpt mm-hmm. from one of them? Yeah. All right. Tell, regale us. Yeah. All right, title. here we go. <clears throat> the writer said that the home had been, quote, the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time, end quote. And the writer also got mad when they found out that the Broadus family was doing renovations in the house, and so they wrote, quote, was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the watcher also asked, who is the bedrooms that face the street? And this one really bothers me. Apparently the watcher asked, have your kids found what's within the walls? Ooh. <laughs> and the police apparently, when they got that part of one of the letter. Um, the letters, the police like looked inside the walls and couldn't find anything. So who knows what that was talking about? Yeah, he was t- he was tricking them into releasing a poltergeist. Well, regardless, <laughs> it's unsettling, and it makes me never want to check my mail again. It never makes me want to check the snail mail because oh, who needs it? You know what I mean? Right. Who needs to know about those bills? Yeah, and Alex got a package from somebody today in the mail, and I'm like looking at it, and it's got little little ghost tape on it, and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it might be haunted. <laughs> thank you, John Freeman. If thank you, listening. thank you, John Freeman. We haven't opened it yet, but I'm gonna open it as soon as we wrap this up. James, what's the last thing that you ordered? What What was the last thing that you got delivered to your house? Um, literally today, I got. Uh, I've never read the Dune books, and I got the Dune. Books. I thought you already started the Dune books. Oh, you got more of them? No, no. But a couple days ago, you're like, I'm reading Dune, and I'm loving it. I I forgot that it was the other day, and then I <laughs> oh, lied. James. Wow. <laughs> just, I just couldn't remember what day it was, so I was like, it was today. I forgot I texted you guys that I was reading it. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I got in the mail the other day? I got a Rainbow Dash face mask for one. So, Aww. yeah, it's adorable. But what anyways. A, what a nerd. Anyways. Back to the Watcher. The family, they eventually got a really threatening and derogatory letter, and they decided, you know what? This house just ain't worth it. And so they technically never moved in because they were, like, doing renovations. They weren't living there when it was being renovated. But they are like, we're not moving in. This is ridiculous. I can't do this. And so they tried to sell it, but it's difficult to sell a house when you've got a stalker threatening your family. And this obviously mm. made the news, right? People were like, okay, let's steer clear of the house that has a crazy stalker. So the Broadus family, they actually tried to sue the family that they bought the house from. 
Because apparently the mm. former owners got a letter from the watcher too, but the family said that it was not threatening. And so mm. they just kind of threw it out. They didn't take it seriously and threw the letter away and were like, whatever. So I don't know what came of that lawsuit. I don't think anything came of it, but they tried. Mm. And to this day, you guys, we still don't know who the watcher is. Wow. Yes. The Westfield oh, police, wow. they tried to pin the person down and they asked neighbors that lived around this house. I think it's 635 Boulevard or 675 Boulevard is the house. But they asked neighbors to come in for a voluntary DNA test. <laughs> and some neighbors apparently went and did it and there wasn't a match. But according to an article, <sighs> according to the time.com article that I read, one neighbor put up a stink about the DNA request. And so everybody was like, oh, that's suspect, you know, that's weird. <laughs> and I don't know, some guy apparently named Malcolm Mannix, but there wasn't anybody in the area with that name. So they're not even re- to really be fair. Sure I don't think I, if I was asked, I wouldn't do, I it. Wouldn't do it. No. I wouldn't do it. Hmm. James, would you, would you go and give them your DNA? Uh, I don't know. Like, <sighs> Because here's the thing. We're dealing with something called the Watcher. I kind of would be eager to prove that I'm not the Watcher. Yeah, I mean, that's also true. But you're also trying to help this family maybe stay there. But you know you're not it. So then you don't want to do it. Because your DNA is not going to help catch Mm -hmm. it if you're not them, right? Yes. But then all eyes are going to be on you. I'm not getting it, Tess. I'm not. I'll just take it. You you can call me the Watcher. That's fine. (laughs) I'll collect some money from you. I'll be be like uh, the mob. You just, I'll be collecting <laughs> things to keep my letters away the from extorter. you. The oh, extortion. Alex. Yeah. A, little, a little extortion. I swear. <laughs> I swear. Well, another. Hey, you po- don't want to get watched? Send me a gift card to Zaxby's. <laughs> 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 okay. All right. Another possible suspect. <laughs> Zaxby's. Now, you would want a gift card to Zaxby's? I, I, I'm just trying to think of something. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay. Like the, this is like the weirdest peeping Tom <laughs> story ever. Uh, another possible suspect, an author slash professor named Robert Kaplow. You guys ever heard of Kaplow before? No. Well, apparently he wrote a book called no. Me and Orson Welles. And he no. was supposedly talking in one of his classes about how he just absolutely loved some house in Westfield, which is where he grew up. And he wrote letters to it, like to the house itself. And some people were like, hmm, that's that's kind of weird. But then they asked him if he was the watcher and he said no. Um, (laughs) And I, I kind of, I don't know, I actually believe him for some reason. And you want to actually, you want to know why I believe him? Because police did take some DNA off of the envelope that the letters came in. And they ran the DNA through a little, you know, sequence. And they found out that it was an older female. So, yeah, the Watcher may have been a woman. Who knows? It was the Baba Yaga. (sighs) Yeah. She wanted the spoons. She just wanted the spoons. She wanted the spoons. (laughs) Well, this story actually gave rise to the Netflix series, The Watcher, starring, uh, is it Bobby Cannavale? Oh, yeah. And Watts. Yeah, Alex and I saw a trailer for this uh, a couple so weeks ago, and I was like, I don't know. Like, I've never heard of this before. Is that this inspired is by that? Yeah, yeah it, is. Okay. it is. It's inspired by mm. this story. It, the trailer looks so good. The trailer does look really good. 
Um, it's got 6.6 stars on imdb.com, so I'm not sure what that means, but this is the thing about it's pretty, reviews. It's pretty run of the mill. Yeah, for, you, can't, it's not bad. you can't trust other people's opinions on things like movies, right? Because, James, there are movies you love that I probably don't love, like like the Pinhead movies. Mm. You might like the Pinhead <laughs> movies. Yeah. No. But Alex also likes movies that I don't like. Like, he loved Paul Blart. <laughs> Did not love Paul Blart. <laughs> oh, wow, the look disdain. Look at this slander. He talks about it all the time. never. I have not talked about Paul Blart. Oh, man. But we, we do need Paul Bart 3. Campaign, hashtag Paul Bart 3. Oh. Go find the GoFundMe on... Just kidding. Paul Bart. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Enough. Enough of Paul Bart. Enough of the watcher. I am done talking, Alex. Thank it is goodness. your turn. All right. This time. <sighs> you know, for our first story back, I'm going to go with another urban legend from Japan. Oh, yeah. And this is not too dissimilar from another one that I've talked about. Kuchisake Ona, also known as the slit mouth. Uh, I don't like that story. I think about it occasionally. Yeah. And like if I'm walking in the city and I walk past an alleyway, I occasionally think of that. Mm, yeah, you should. You should. Mm. Or she'll get you. Just remember, <laughs> remember how to answer correctly. Um, so this urban legend is considered, it is about a teke teke. Okay. You keep that sound in there, okay? Okay. All right. Like many urban legends, it, and like James was saying, there's just so many variations on this thing. Unlike Kuchisake Ana, the origins of this are not as recent. And a lot of the origins are pretty unknown. Many think the story goes all the way back to a woman named uh, Kashima Reiko, who was in Hokkaido... A few years after World War II. So, sound familiar, James? She was an office worker for the military, and on the way home, she was assaulted by uh, some uh, by a military personnel, and so she was left injured on train tracks, where a train ran over her, cutting oh. her in half oh at the gosh. waist. Oof. As if that wasn't bad enough, this night that it happened was really cold. And what that did was it constrained her blood vessels and slowed down the bleeding out. Oh, my gosh. Uh. So she woke up and was dragging the, her oh. body, the top it, half of her body, for several minutes trying to get help. That reminds me of that shot mm. from The Walking Dead but when he sees the first oh, yeah, zombie the and it's like, the half zombie. Yeah, yeah no. How's it go? Um, and so she's trying to get help. She's suffering and just slowly dying. Now, allegedly, an attendant even found her, but covered her up with a plastic bag. And she's still helping. alive? Yeah. And so she died this slow, painful death. Now, the legend has several iterations of how some of these things play out with her. But the thing they all agree on is that the name of this ghost is Teke Teke. You see, when uh, the, when the Teke Teke appears, it only has a torso. And when it crawls towards you, its nails hit the ground, making that the sound Teke 
Mm. <laughs> and his claws are very long for one important reason. If she catches you, she does cut you in half. <laughs> Just like her. Now, the worst part is that she isn't slow moving. She is actually incredibly fast. Okay, no, that's that's not okay. <laughs> um, now, now, these nails are great for pulling her along, cutting you in half, and she can even supposedly match the speed. So you th- you see her and you're like, oh, I'll just get in a car and drive away. No. She's fast enough to still catch you. She can catch you in a car? Yeah, she's quick. <laughs> she's quick. And some stories say that if she gets you, you will be asked a question. I hate these freaking uh, questions. Of course. Do you know where my legs are? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, do you know the muffin man? <laughs> um, <laughs> and what are you supposed to say? With that kind of answer, slice in half. Uh, uh, mm. You'd have been slice in half. You must reply the Machine Expressway. Because that's where she died. If you don't, uh, you get killed. Why does she <clears throat> ask you if she already knows the answer? Now, in some, it's the same thing. You know, Kutrasaki Anna, she knew she was ugly. She had that big slip mouth, but she still asked you. Oh <clears throat> and you had to tell her she was average. Um, <laughs> now, some stories have her having normal fingernails, but that she carries a scythe with her to cut you in half. Hmm. So there's some iterations, but every time she's half a body. Now, there are other parts of the legend that's in tandem, and it kind of goes back to what you said, James. Japan loves its bathroom urban legends. Well, there are stories about her where she is in these bathrooms, and she'll walk to the furthest stall and ask if they know where her legs are. Now, if this is the scenario, and you're in the bathroom with her, sometimes you can escape. If you say, Kamen Shinin Ma, which is Mask Death Demon, which is actually the phonetic root of her name. Hmm. Otherwise, uh. I hope you had a good poop because it was your last. <laughs> <laughs> why Why does she go to the toilet? Maybe because she never could yeah. after she lost her legs. <laughs> you know, the Japan is a very polite nation. I wonder if all these toilet monsters come from the fact that it's probably an alternative to saying, do not go in there. You know, you come out and you're just like, ghosts. (laughs) 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 Okay, so so I don't like that story at all. Thank you for sharing that and giving me nightmares, Alex. I'm also, like, I don't like using public bathrooms just in general, but, like, if I were... Mm. If I did have that story, if that was common around here, I would never want to use the public toilet. Um, another fun fact. Another fun. There's a Canadian rock group <laughs> named after him. <laughs> take it, take it. Cool. Man. And if you want to learn more, there's even a movie about the or the legend. Well. But there you go. Nice. But no one actually knows the true origin cool. for sure. But this seems to be the story where it seems to have all originated from. Even if the validity of the story might even be in question. So, there we go. There we go. Just don't forget what to say, everybody. You say the station. 
Yeah. Well, I hope you don't say the station. Then you cut get kind of machine. James, since you know the most Mm -hmm. folklore, what would you say? What country around the globe would you say has the creepiest folk stories? Oh man! Well, first of all, Asia in general, um, Southeast Asia in general. I'd say really between Japan and the Philippines because they both and Indonesia. Those those three have some of the spookiest stories. All right, well. I, I think because of the body horror aspect. You know, like Western folklore, it's like, oh, they have a skull for a face. <laughs> Whereas like Southeast Asia, it's like, oh, well, they, they hang you with their intestines. Like it's always like cranked up to 11. Well, thank you, Alex and James. You're welcome. For sharing your horrifying stories. I wanted to spook you. Um, <laughs> well, happy Halloween, everybody. Is there anything you guys want to add before we go trick-or-treating? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you don't want a letter in the mail, send your Zaxby's gift card to <laughs> all right well next week we're returning normal form um and i guess for our first three episodes back we are doing a james cc alex pick the topics episodes and then we are going to be well you know what you're going to hear about next week so you guys until next week we hope that you have a happy halloween and that you can keep keep it it straight. straight